like we for whatever reason are a society that likes to treat the symptoms like we just want the symptoms to go away and not look at the root causes of things and exactly. I think that's what it's going to take is just that shift in mindset of treating the cause and not the symptom right because it's like because if you're like if you can get the symptoms to go away then you can't see it right and right right buried so we don't have to worry yeah. about the rest of it or we have band-aid solutions where it looks like mm-hmm. things are, are changing or happening for the better and they're not I'm Charmaine. I'm Katie. And this is Unpacking Ethical. A podcast where we sip our favorite drinks at the moment. And talk about some things. Because there's nothing ethical about upholding the status quo. Let's talk about it. This week on Unpacking Ethical. We're here for our last episode of the season. Yep. (laughs) And since you already picked up your mug, what you drinking, Katie? I I've got some peppermint tea with a splash of ginger and it is the perfect drink for this the type of morning I'm having (laughs) my voice is a little hoarse what you got what are you drinking I have a little smorgasbord that's my new word I've just Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I, um, I ran out of lemons this morning and I normally do hot water and lemon in the morning, but mm. I, um, I just used the last of my apple cider vinegar and some honey. And then I poured in a little packet of my ginseng too. So we got all kinds nice. of stuff hanging out in this cup. <laughs> you may, you concocted something real special. I, I don't know what it is. <laughs> does it taste but good? I, it does. It does taste good. So I'm like, mm, Hey, I'm, I like um I like apple cider vinegar when I um when I run out of uh lemon too like I'll do you know that apple cider vinegar cayenne honey thing that I make mm. I, I told you I put cayenne in everything I gotta stop it's getting out of control is it is it bad because I put hot sauce it's, on everything so or chili peppers it's not, it's not bad but it just doesn't need to be on every single thing but I'm convinced that it does like last night there was a drink uh that that Zach had and it had like something around the edges and I'm like oh is that cayenne pepper he's like I don't think that's cayenne pepper I I have such excitement about it I don't I don't know what that's about so um but your drink sounds lovely does it (laughs) I'm like it it's it's doing what it needs to do this morning so (sighs) <sighs> which is it's early y'all we are here to, to unpack all of this season right yeah well, unpacking we, season two <laughs> unpacking season two I don't know where you want to start um where do you want to start Shaman? where I want to start is not with season two so I'm <laughs> Look, let me tell you. Okay, so when we were doing our planning for this, you know, we had all these topics that we thought about discussing that we were going to try to bring in people. And one of the things we thought about was um, talking about like nuance within sustainability and how, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I had kind of let it go because it had been based really off of like a conversation that I'd had in a different group that Mm -hmm. I was hesitant to talk about because it was um basically not I don't know how to say curated or hosted I guess curated maybe Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. talked about by two women of color 
and we, you know, amongst several white people and white women. <laughs> and I was mm-hmm. like, I, I did not want to like call them out in front of that group of people. And I didn't want right. to like say anything about it in that group of people. Cause we were talking about nuance and I thoroughly believe like everything is nuance. Oh, absolutely. But it came up again on Twitter this weekend <laughs> and where, um, somebody, it was Aja had like posted something about, uh, I don't even remember. Basically, you know, again, people using poor people as an excuse to like maintain this fast fashion model. Uh huh. Cause like, you mm-hmm. know, what are, what are poor people going to be able to afford kind of thing mm-hmm. without like looking at the larger system. But, and I had like mentioned that I had been in this talk with some, you know, like sustainability experts that were basically saying that fast fashion wasn't necessarily all a bad thing because it helped close like the class divide Mm -hmm. and I Mm -hmm. was just like but for who like right right (laughs) like because it's not closing the class divide for the people that are like making the clothes or those that are like living downstream from where all the waterways are polluted like it's not helping them at all so we just talking about us and I think it got me thinking a lot about our very western centric view of sustainability and how we only look at like what's happening here and you know with us in our own neighborhood and I'm like there's like an entire world out there that this affects and and I think mm-hmm. I went into like, I'm like, if COVID showed us anything, it's like this world is tiny and what happens in one part of the world is going to affect like the rest of the world. And that, you know, right. like we right. can't like continue to ignore like the people on this side, just because all of a sudden, like you're able to buy, you know, 50 million more things when in reality, like poor people are not sustaining these fast fashion brands. It's not them buying no. like, you know, at max, like maybe five pieces a year that's sustaining mm-hmm. this. So I'm like, right. it's people spending hundreds of dollars. So I'm, yeah. That yeah. was my little rant for the day because it came <laughs> up Twitter again. Well, it it makes me think about how much of I, I mean, if I'm being honest, these days I'm not feeling super hopeful and optimistic about humanity. Mm. I just, but I still have hope. So as long as there's still that, I'm good. But I just there am saying, hope. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, <laughs> I am seeing, you know, a lot of just, there was a very big shift. You know, things are always changing and evolving or having, there's the illusion of progress, I say sometimes. Um, yeah now that I understand what that means more. Um, But I feel like there was a huge shift and I don't know how it happened. Well, I do know how some ways that it happened, but I just feel that people are generally right now in a very bad space. Um, And so when you were talking about like how, how what we do affects somebody else and how we just we live we live such individualized lives now that it's almost becoming impossible to get people i feel not everyone but again nuance to get pe- most people to to be able to think and feel beyond their own circumstances mm-hmm. and that is not a good place to be in and i see that a lot 
and it makes me sad. I mean, I'm, I mean, we all are guilty of it and, and the corporations and all the people that we, we, the, not the people, but the entities that we discuss all the time that are the worst for our society, they always are going to benefit some kind of way. Absolutely. <laughs> and they absolutely, absolutely, they absolutely benefit on us leading these individualized lives um, in so many ways. Um, community is not something that they want us to have. And we talked about this. I think we covered this a little bit with Jordan, um, where we were talking about like what community is and, you know, how they're within actual community. We, we got each other. We support each other. It's like, Hey, I'm out of, I'm out of sugar. Can I borrow some sugar or I'm out of whatever, you know, can I borrow this? And that we don't really live in communities like that anymore. I don't even know if they exist because I haven't lived in a community like that in a long time. There's the there's the the virtual sort of communities and the, the, that are in the virtu- in this you know on the right. apps and Instagram. It, and as much as I'm not a fan of Instagram these days, I do understand it is still a certain gathering place for people. Yeah. And but it's a, such a low vibrational space right now that it just it makes it hard to even want to get on there and if it makes it hard for you to even want to get on there then how are you engaging with the people that you want to be in community with it's just it's just a lot so I don't know I just think about how do we get people back to a place where they can feel like either they have the energy or the capacity to to care for themselves but also to extend that care and compassion to to people outside of their family and just their like you know small you know main group or whatever it's 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 a big question that I've been thinking about do you have an answer Sherman I do not have an answer (laughs) I do not I and I think you're you know you're completely right and I especially um I think within I guess all I can speak for is like American culture and I you know right you kind of mentioned that in another one of our podcasts a lot of this stuff is just by design Mm -hmm. and um and it's all about you know kind of you know people say follow the money but I'm like I don't know I mean it I do it is yes following the money but also it's just like following the benefits like who is benefiting from this because yeah yes at the end of the day a lot of it comes down to money but um at the I think it's more about power and control Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. money is just a means of doing that um, I, yeah absolutely right yeah I, but, I've been thinking about that too it's funny that you said that I love that you said that yeah yeah so I'm like it's definitely just like following the like more following the benefits for me like following who benefit from that because I think even um as we talk about fast fashion or just producing not even fashion we do this in you know every area of our lives where some things um are massively produced and the numbers and you know I think a lot of people are like hey you know well that's that's the system that it rewards people who produce more and I'm like I don't know that it's meant to reward the people that produce more I think it's specifically meant to keep smaller makers out oh absolutely unable to um, produce things at a, a cost that's beneficial to everybody really I, I I agree and I'm thinking about the prices of things and I don't I it's not that I don't 
accept that there are shortages, that these are the things that naturally will happen when you, when you, how do you, what's the word I want to use? Um, extract and extract and extract mm-hmm. when you have these sorts of practices that just take and take and take then you do see what is happening but there's also the problem of hoarding and the people who have power they hoard and then they make us compete for the most basic resources and so if we didn't even need to have the conver- if we never even arrived to having a conversation about ethics and fashion or ethics in any other way of life here in the Western part of the world. Like you said, I can only speak for here and particularly America. Um, You would look and see like, why do I have to pay for water? I need water to survive. Everything needs water. Why am I having to pay for clean, and not just to have access to it, but to then have access to water that's not poison. Like it's it's unheard of and it should not even be this isn't, this shouldn't even be an issue. Um, and so, but, you know, not to be bringing everybody down because, you know. <laughs> but I kind of want to like, not go back to that, but like follow with that. Cause I know you were saying you were kind of like losing your faith in humanity a little bit, but it kind of reminded me of um, a TikTok or like a video reel, whatever platform you're on that Tavi, one of our other guests, that you guys would have seen right before this episode. <laughs> like one of her videos was kind of talking about, cause people were saying they didn't believe that um, people were like inherently bad, but uh, you know, it was just like the systems and stuff that we evolved. And she made a really good point that she was like, yeah, it's the systems, but she's like, but who created the systems? Right. Like, she's like, she's like, she said, we created this, but like we, as in, you know, just humans in general, not necessarily, you know, right. But she's like, we created the system. So like, so who is, and I'm like, oh, there yeah. are some, there are some inherently bad people in this yeah. world. There are. And I don't know if were they like, why I, I think when you look, if you look at the people who who like the people when we talk about bad good bad that's that's a real that's even more nuanced that we could spend all day talking about but if you look at like the average person who does something that is not the brightest the best reflection of the best parts of ourselves but then you look at the people who constantly benefit off of the way things you know kind of operate they are the bad people. They don't, yeah. they have the power to do things and they don't. And instead they keep, they keep a cycle going that is unhealthy for everybody, for over 90% of the population, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so it's, it's, there are unfortunately inherently bad people. And I think, yeah, I think what does give me hope um, is, you know, is knowing like, that that we can still have a conversation like this right. that you know that we haven't gotten completely burnt out on talking about and, and continuing to exchange ideas and and figuring out like this is this is I guess this is a form of community too you know like talking with each other and expressing ideas and opinions and views and and exchanging them and then thinking about them and then thinking about how we move moving forward and how we support each other and I think you know 
I think that that's got to be where it is. And and then, of course, with the kids, like when I look at the kids, you know, sometimes I think, okay, man, y'all, y'all think y'all gonna, y'all gonna figure it out for us? Because <laughs> I don't think, think, we, need I think you. We, we need you to, to do this. And I just appreciate when I see, when I've seen, and this, I think that's why the, I'll ask you too, since we're going to get into more of the uh, episodes, but the parenting obviously was one of my favorites. Um, the parenting with Tony, uh, because I just, I enjoy exploring and having conversations about our relationships with young children so much mm-hmm. because I just never had these perspectives before I became a parent. And so right. it's like, for me, it's like, I'm growing and learning. And it's exciting to me because I think not just because of what they can bring to the world only, but I just, there's just so much, there's so, when we talk about the best of humanity, it's in them, it's in the kids before it gets programmed out of them. I don't know, (laughs) Um, but I see it. I see it like even with, you know, with just things that when you and I were growing up, we did not have, at least to my, I can't speak. I'm going to just generally say that we have conversations about, what gender identity was, what sexuality was, how they're different, like right. what that means, what it means to be gender. We, we weren't having those conversations and that those are front and center conversations a lot now. And as, when I'm talking to, and I'm, I'm having to unlearn and unpack a lot myself, like I, to, to be where I am in life at, at this age and the living that I've done, it's, it's, unrealistic for me to say I don't have unpacking to do we have to like we have to be even as a black person I have to actively unlearn anti-blackness and it is something that I have to do every day things that were you know ingrained in us that we don't we no longer want to cling to so with kids I'm talking to Castle about you know uh, we had a book what was the book called it was a, a book we picked up at the library and it was about gender identity and um various inabilities that people might have or you know and just being making space for all types of people and to him it's like a no-brainer right it's when you talk to children about these things it's just like oh yeah okay you know it's easier to talk to to my seven-year-old about these things than it is to you know you know an older cousin or somebody, you know, (laughs) they just like, yeah, "Yeah, I'm not accepting it because they've already, they've already, they cling. Yeah. They're, what do you call it? Like they're, they're in it. So, um, that's the, the, the hope has to be there, but I enjoyed the parenting podcast so much. And I enjoyed, you remember when Tony said, uh, okay, I don't want to misquote. Maybe you'll remember. Ooh, I just edited this episode. (laughs) I think she said something like she always wanted she she didn't necessarily want to have babies she just wanted to raise people yes I I feel like is that our opening thing that's our opening that's our opening (laughs) quote that's yeah such an amazing I've I've not heard someone put it like that before yeah I appreciated that perspective so much and I've been thinking about it since you know how I show up and so did you have let's switch gears here did you have a favorite yeah, it's so funny because I was like totally going to ask you what your thing was and then you just went into it. I I feel like there was so many like good moments or just good things said throughout. I know my mm-hmm. favorite, of course, episode was with Tavi and Becky, which I have not edited yet. So I don't know what that's going <laughs> to turn out like. 
Because I know, like, after I messaged you, I was like, it was just an hour and a half of pure chaos. And laughter. Yeah. (laughs) But I I think I just enjoyed it. Because, like, there was still that part of me was like, okay, we have to, like, have your little producer hat on. And I'm like, okay, I got to, like, rein this in somehow. But then we would get, like, started talking on something that was serious. And I'm like, I just felt like the mood come down. And I was like, eh, don't like this. Wild again. (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay you I I mean I've seen some of it and I think it just was it but doesn't it need to be fun sometimes you know yes I think that's good because I'm like I was like I was trying to like but then again I was y'all PSA (laughs) do not drink in (laughs) podcast you're trying to talk about (laughs) because I you know I have like a list of topics and you know our head that we need to like go through and I'm like yeah I can't remember a single one I'm like <laughs> where? and I'm like looking I'm like on my computer I'm like where's my list I don't know what I'm supposed to be talking about I don't know so there's a whole lot of rambling and Shaman has a whole lot of editing that she has to do or she had to do to get to at this point because y'all have seen it yeah. already so yeah um but that was your favorite you think because of all the laughter and I think yeah I think it was just it was just a really fun episode I love those two so much though Uh, yeah but I also gosh I like there's so much I also really love just spending time with Jordan Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it was just and actually absolutely back to back those were the two that were back to back right yes in the same days yeah yeah so I'm like it was really nice to kind of like wake up I guess with Jordan and just have that um easy and I'm like she's just her presence is just so soothing and easy it is absolutely like I loved it too because that was that morning if you remember that my I discovered my car was towed and so I wasn't able to be present for uh Tavi and Becky's uh episode because I had to go get my car from the tow place which was annoying so talking to Jordan that morning (laughs) was very helpful it was it was it was the exact way I would want to start my day any day but especially on a day like that where it's so easy to just spiral down into some darkness and just dwell in a negative space for the rest of the day which I don't like to do but it's very easy for me to to do that but Jordan yeah that was a real good episode too yeah all of them were good because we got we had four yeah yeah, I'm like I love that the foraging one is out in the world and I've been like trying to pull clips but yeah they were we had it was a really good season y'all I hope you enjoyed it (laughs) and everybody else (laughs) we had fun (laughs) we had fun I like it felt you know the first season you know we it was new for both of us to be hosting Mm co-hosting a podcast right and so but talking to each other wasn't new so we had that part kind of figured out but then how we would do everything else kind of we had to we had to figure it out and Sharma you did a lot of good work kind of you know really bringing the whole thing together and this season I feel like we had one meeting about what we wanted to go over and then life happened but somehow we were able to come back together and it really didn't feel even with like the outside stuff of like you know, you do more of the technical stuff of making sure the episodes are edited and the graphics and all of that. But 
it just the the podcast the recordings themselves have felt very effortless and not I you know like we just show up and we have a conversation about what we're gonna have a conversation about y'all will be surprised to know and maybe you won't be surprised I don't know I, I think we're pretty great but uh <laughs> y'all will be surprised to know that we really don't even have a pre-conversation about what we're gonna talk about we just we kind of like invite our guests, kind of let them know, you know, what we're interested in that, that we want to have a conversation with them about. And we just let it happen. And I feel like those are the best kinds of conversations, even if there's dead space sometimes, you know, we edit that part out, but y'all don't hear the dead space. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm like, yeah, I, and I think that's, and I think that's a huge part of what we're doing and just kind of the purpose of our podcast with just that unpacking we talk about what we talk about and what comes up and um I don't know that's just one of the best parts because you know because yeah we have like areas that we want to touch on but then you know somebody will say something you're like oh wait Mm -hmm. let's let's talk about that because you know there's so much like there's so much nuance there's so much to unpack there's you know so much like you said we have to unlearn and you know try to understand about ourselves and the world around us and you know how that's working and I think it's important work and I think it's something we should all be doing um Mm -hmm. and and then work that not enough of us are because I feel like as I get to this point you know you know you were talking about talking to kids is easier than talking to like an older cousin I'm like I feel like I am fighting with relatives constantly or like people that I've been close to especially you know having grown up in the church right and still still like very active in my faith and that's just a huge part of me but at the same time I I think I've always seen things differently but I have not allowed myself to like venture you know necessarily into those spaces but I'm I do it more and and it's always especially been hard I guess with my parents because I've I've never been a people pleaser but I've always been a parent pleaser Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. So now having these conversations with my parents is especially tough for me um, right? because, because, you know, they get upset and they're like, you know, what are you, you know, what are you talking about? You, we didn't raise you this way. I'm like, but you did. Right. You did right. raise me this way. Like, right. you know, it, it's, I, I, it's even funny. I think, you know, um, like with my mom and she was like, like telling me, I, this is probably years ago. She's like, Shaman, you're just, you know, you're too independent. You're too, and you're like, how, you know, how are you supposed to get married when you're just so independent kind of thing? And I'm like, have you met Doris Levy though? <laughs> like, have you met yourself? Right. <laughs> because, right. Is, you know, we were a military family and we were constantly going and my dad was working shift work all the time. And she was like our person. She was the one that was always there. She was the one that's maintained. She's the one that did everything she was the one that would like sit us in the car when we moved to a new place and we like we went to go get lost and we like drive around just kind of learning our new environment and when we were overseas you know she's meeting all these like you know local people and getting us you know entrenched in their culture and I'm like woman do you know who you are (laughs) like this is the woman that I grew up seeing of course I'm going to be super independent and learn how to do things by myself because you did it right right so you think they're going to hear like, this episode? Of course. <laughs> but it's nothing I haven't already said to her anyway. No, because I was, I, I, I got some things I want to say and I'm like, maybe I just won't send them this link. 
<laughs> well but the thing is is like that's what unpacking is is being able to have yeah. these truth like come to terms with these different truths um the, do you get really do you get really uncomfortable when you have to have certain when you, like if your parents say something that you have unpacked that you just oh I can't I can't accept this do you feel very uncomfortable you end the conversation early like how do you handle those times I think really it just kind of depends on what I feel I have the capacity for that day, mm-hmm. which kind of bothers me a little bit because I feel like I'm in this ap- position of privilege in some aspects, you know, you know, there's only so much you know, privilege as a black woman we have, but I am like, right, poor. right. A heterosexual black woman and one without um, like visible, dis- well, except for the fact that I can barely see, but <laughs> without visible disability, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I have these aspects of privilege and I feel like in that way, it's my responsibility to then advocate for, you know, these other things that I don't where, you know, whether it comes to like homophobia or transphobia or, you know, any, you know, different aspects in that way. I'm mm-hmm. advocating for these people with, you know, with the people that are in my lives that are expressing these different right. things. And so I, um, and sometimes I can get a little uncomfortable because, but mainly the thing is like, it takes me a long time to process things. Mm-hmm. And so I don't always like catch what's making me feel like something's not right, right in the situation, like right away and to a an point where I can just like address it right then. Because I don't necessarily feel like I have the words to express what I'm feeling all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's so again, like, I guess I don't necessarily know how I go about that conversation. It kind of just depends on the moment and the time. And, you know, I think I feel the same as you feel like about a couple of things. I have the opposite where I, I don't, I process things super quickly but I react super quickly too. And so I have to now slow down and say, mm-hmm. okay, I know how this, because things, I feel things in my body before I even think about them. Right. Um, and so, and I'm learning to listen to my body more um, or getting reconnected with that, even though there's trauma can live in the body and there's healing that has to take place in the body so that you're not reacting or just having this right. like really negative response to things because of a trigger. <clears throat> but I do react. And so with, when these situations, I have to like really process and like you, it's, it's something about things in real time. You got to kind of let it play out to see what it actually is and what you mm-hmm. actually do need to address it and why. Um, but I feel like you, I feel like I have an incredible responsibility because we're, we both stand in the same, on the same side of this thing together where we feel we have a responsibility to always um, do our part to make space for people who don't have the privileges that we have. Right. You know, the people who are most impacted by the conditions that we talk about, who are even more impacted. Right. Um, and so, um, as you said, being like a, a straight, you know, or hetero woman, it's just, I don't, I can't, I don't, it's not okay for me to listen to homophobia and transphobia and I, I that's feels wrong right. to, to do that and so um I don't want to be more com- I feel like we can be complicit in things and I don't want right. to be more complicit so I'm actively going to do something about it um 
but it is difficult to to like address those things but then also we live in a time where so much is it comes up all the time and yeah. I don't think that's a bad thing but I also think it's important for us to sit with things that are coming up and really feel how we feel about them where we are with them that's okay too I think a lot you know I think a lot and I talk about abolition a lot because I understand why it's necessary it's just so there's so much space between where Mm -hmm. we are and there that it feels unreachable but that doesn't mean we can't work toward it but it's very I remember when I was with Texas Organizing Project um, back in the day it it was everything before 2020 (laughs) feels like back in the day (laughs) but they it was they were, you know, they were kind of having conversations about criminal, local, locally, criminal and statewide, uh, criminal reform and bail, bailouts and um, court appointed attorneys and how their caseload and like addressing things that were just trickling down in a very bad way. Um, and abolition came up quite a bit because a lot of people in that space are like, uh, reform doesn't really do enough of what we needed to do and so I remember the amount of people who were triggered about or by the conversation about around abolition because they were uh had been abused or harmed and the thought of the person that did that to them not paying for it just ate them up and so there was like that was a real sticky night because it was like I can say that I'm absolutely I want to like put all my energy into this but I'm not somebody who has you know you know there was one person like this guy had abused her physically like and you know how it is like there was there was many domestic issues and he Mm -hmm. the police would come out he wouldn't get arrested they just they gaslight her um and so on and so forth and finally you know he did something really bad to her he ended up um in jail and um she doesn't want him out of jail. And that's understandable. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, don't, I would never, I don't know how to even have the conversation with someone like that because I don't want to ever seem insensitive. Miriam Kaba talks about like being a sort a survivor of some sort of, you know, harm, a physical or any other type of harm or, and, and she, she does make space for that because I think people think, well, well, those are bad people. They shouldn't be our people who hurt children, you know? Um, but that's not the, that's not from my understanding what I think abolition is about. It's not necessarily like nobody should ever have to pay for anything. It's about coming to terms with, or having these more like one-on-one sort of like, not, not dialogue, but just kind of one-on-one like ways of of dealing with a a specific event that's happening and not this one size fits all approach to something and so if there's a certain type of harm that's been done let's talk about it let's figure out what this what needs to happen here and how we can serve both the person that's been harmed and how we can help the person that caused this you know like it why is that you know not the way and I think I think it's just I don't I, I definitely don't think we're in the best position right now for abolition because people have gotten more um things are just so much more polarized and people are so much more like no you know and so it's hard but 
I think abolition is necessary because it is the only way that we can then work outside of the systems that have been keeping us trapped right. in this really negative cycle for a very long time. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is like we, for whatever reason, are a society that likes to treat the symptoms. Like we just want the symptoms to go away and not look at the root causes of things. And exactly. I think that's what it's gonna take. It's just that shift in mindset of treating the cause and not the symptom. Right. And, cause it's like, cause if you're like, if you can get the symptoms to go away, then you can't see it, right? And right, it's right. It's buried. So we don't have to worry yeah. about the rest of it. Or we have Band-Aid solutions where it looks like mm-hmm. things are, are changing or happening for the better and they're not. Yeah. I remember when Erica Badu, uh, people got really mad at her and it was it wasn't it was very insensitive and I didn't agree with it either but when she after the R. Kelly situation she made uh, a statement like I, I don't want to misquote but it was something along the lines of like when the um, abused becomes the abuser or something mm-hmm. like she was mm-hmm. she was showing compassion toward and that's the, those are the times where you got to sit with okay now what what who's going to benefit from this and what you're about to say who's going to be mm-hmm. harmed further from what you're about to say because right. these were these allegations had been going on for years and and they really only hit the mainstream media in recent years but this was going on when was I was a, a kid <laughs> exactly like this had been going on I have no I didn't watch the documentary uh, but the families of these 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 young these young women uh, had been, I guess, dealing with this for a very long time, and yeah. so, and people were being silenced. And mm-hmm. so, when you have there's that power dynamic issue, right? When you have a situation like that where you've got obviously under patriarchy and misogyny, this person being able to escape accountability for what they've done because of those things because of the mm-hmm. systems of patriarchy and misogyny and then you have someone who the in the one small space that they want to open up to make a comment or a statement with a big platform they show compassion only to the abuser uh, or seemingly that's the optics of it anyway and that's how people right. are going to take it right. this isn't the best thing she's not wrong though that's the problem is it's, it's mm-hmm. not wrong but it's just like how are you moving through that and what right. and who does that benefit and who does that serve? And so I think as, as annoying as it is when when these things happen, they do force dialogue and well, not with some people because I don't think she acknowledged. I don't know, I don't know what came after that. Uh, people just started labeling her a rape apologist. I don't I don't like those terms. <laughs> Even though it feels that way, it did feel it that is. way, and, a, yeah. and and it does feel that way. And she was absolutely—I don't know if "wrong" is the right word. It just—it just was not—it—it it was not helping the people who we needed to be, who we needed to be making space for. You know, right. Right. Um, when she did that. So, but having these conversations, I think, I think we we gotta have them. And, and I think sometimes we'll find ourselves in sticky situations, but if we can always bring to that, the compassion and the space for, like you said, more than one thing being true, mm-hmm. and then also being able to find balance in who do, who, who do we need to be supporting right now and how do we make space for them and who needs to, to uh, 
be accountable? Who needs to be held accountable? And how do we make that happen? Like, it yeah. just needs to be, it cannot be a one size fits yes. all approach ever for something yeah. like this. So, or anything really, but I don't know. I would love to talk more about abolition, but I need to read some more because it's, it, we, again, it's one of them things we got to unpack a lot before we yes. can even make space for all the possibilities with the abolition. <laughs> yeah. No, agree. So I guess thinking about everything that we've talked about today and everything throughout the this whole season, what is it that you think you want to leave people with like the most? Um, I think maybe I like this quote by Miriam Kaba that uh, hope is a discipline. Okay, I need to like, I don't know who this person is. Katie. I've told you about her like five times. Yes, and don't you? I think you keep bringing I want the, maybe you bring up the name <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't know who that is. Okay. Okay, so she uh, she has, I read, I learned about Miriam Kaba in 2020. She is a black woman abolitionist and she's been doing it for a very long time. Um, she wrote an article uh, that was in the New York Times that I read in 2020. And I think the title is, yes, we mean defund the police. And so I read that article and she just, she, the way she talks about abolition, I've never seen anybody talk about it in the way, I'm sure there are other people. I just, I'm just completely like focused on her mm -hmm. and her work, but she has a book called We Do This Till We Free Us that I've been reading for for the past almost two years. I pick it up, I read a, a essay or a conversation because it's really just a, a, co a collection of essays or interviews that she's done with different people or where she's you know written about things or someone interviewed her um and it's just it's very very um concise and you know it, it you know it's I don't know how to ex explain it but it's it's um very it's separated in a way to where you can focus on abolition in certain spaces what does it look like in certain circumstances right. um what does it look like on a big picture and what does it look like smaller scale like it's just it's a really good comprehensive book um and so but i just i just appreciate her 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 views on abolition they feel very real I don't, not that it can't that it shouldn't feel realistic but the way she talks about it it feels like it's reachable. So yes, Miriam Kaba, M-A-R-I-A-M-E-K-A-B-A. -A -A. So okay. that's, but she has that quote, hope is a discipline. And that is one of my, that's one of my favorite quotes of all time. Mm -hmm. um, I cling to that pretty often. It's something that we have to nurture. We have to work at yeah. and keep it alive. And it's, it's, it's a thing. So that's what I want to leave people with. Okay, let me swallow my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like for me I feel like it's important to um stay open mm -hmm. I think is what I want to leave people with is just to stay open um keep learning keep keep reading um I was talking with uh, a friend of mine one of the business members for the ethical network and you know we were kind of talking about people's mindsets in in this space and mm -hmm. you know we have a question like when they become a member like you know on a scale of like one to five how much do you feel you know that you know about sustainability you know with one being you know I don't really know anything and five being like I'm an expert 
And I'm like, I think I struggle with people who will say like five, I'm an expert and then have like these little things like happening, you know, with what they're doing or whatever. Right. And I'm like, I'm like, I think I put that I was like a five, but I, I also hesitate to say that I'm an expert just because I'm constantly learning and I'm constantly changing and evolving like my thoughts. And I think that's so important because I, you know, I go to different events and I listen to people talk and I'm like, okay, you're like stating quotes and stats that have been disproven that, Mm -hmm. you know, that Mm -hmm. are no, that are no longer true. I'm like, you know, we come into this space and we tell everybody, so like, you know, watch the true cost when it comes to like fashion. But I'm like, there's so many things in there that we're like, need to throw out and so many things. And like, I remember even when I first saw it, I had so many questions like coming Mm -hmm. out of it. Mm -hmm. so many things that don't get discussed and again it's that nuance again so I'm like just stay open keep learning keep seeking like knowledge keep reading everything I think there's so many sides to this that we have to um, look at I don't know I feel like staying open will keep you from not necessarily judging people I guess it's not really the word maybe that is the word I want to use but I think yeah. are just thinking harshly on people who don't necessarily hold all the same values as you do. Um, but recognizing, you know, within their space, they're still, they're still doing something. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I, I think, I guess maybe still judging is still, <laughs> maybe that's the word. I feel like it I should think- be something else, but maybe that's the word. <laughs> No, I think that's really good. I think people should stay open. I think it's really hard to stay open, but we got to. And I think it's necessary for for growth and evolution. I would say stay soft, but that's that's hard. I like that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that's a good place to end. I think those two things are what we've tried to do this entire season with yeah. our guests and with each other. And yeah, it was a great season. It was great. What do you have coming up, Katie? Do you have anything coming up that we should know about? Uh, so I am at a very, I'm at a crossroads with ESJ trying to figure out, but um, the one thing I'm certain of is that there's going to be another print issue, uh, issue eight mm-hmm. on legacy. I'm very excited about that. Um, everything else between now and then is just kind of like, we'll see what happens. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I don't know if I'm forgetting something. I have a couple of like projects that aren't like public knowledge that are kind of like in the works have been presented to me, but I'm not, I'm, I don't think I should talk about them publicly. But issue eight, I'm very excited to dive into legacy um, with all of the people that I'm going to feature. So yeah, that's it. What about you? And I am in a period of transition. So um, yeah. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, just keep following me, us, I guess, on social media, the ethical network um, there. We're going through a period of transition there trying to see, you know, what's happening, where, what comes of that. So many amazing things have been happening this year. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm job hunting y'all. So mm-hmm. <laughs> any, you come across anything, but you need to sp- sp- be specific you are looking for jobs, but you're also looking for a certain city. So name it. Oh. <laughs> well, I, I guess you. I'm, so I'm, yes, I'm looking to move to Boston, but yes. I have been mostly <laughs> looking for like remote positions. 
that's because true. I want to be able to like go because I feel like that's yeah. been like one thing that's been missing in my life is just not being able to to go I need yeah. to get up and move so you gotta move yeah you'll be able to do that we're gonna speak it into existence now it's happening it's happening right now. great things are coming even though I said I don't have hope in humanity or much hope I got a little bit still but hope is a discipline hey y'all thanks for listening and or watching Unpacking Ethical is an independent video podcast hosted by the Ethical Network of San Antonio. Your co-hosts are Sharmaan Levy and Katie, and we thank you for tuning in. Please follow us on Instagram and our YouTube channel, and hey, leave a review wherever you're listening.